to Anchors Away, the podcast that chronicles a landlocked new sailor's journey to finding freedom and adventure at sea. I'm your host, Todd Middlebrooks, and I welcome you along on my journey. Welcome back to the logbook for U.S. Virgin Islands Day 7, The Canvas Can Do Miracles. That's right. We've had bad luck for the past couple days or past three or four days, but I was hoping that our luck would change, and today it finally does. Much like the line from the Christopher Cross song, Sailing, the canvas can do miracles, and today it helped right the wrongs. The morning started at Lavongo Key after a night that was a little rolly due to our exposed location, but not as bad as we had anticipated. Lindsay slept great and was feeling better thanks to the Dramamine. Brett and his crew were headed to a dive and then to drop Robert's rented regulator off in Cruise Bay before heading over to Megan's Bay. We had the mooring ball at Lavongo until 10 a.m. and we used every bit of it. Needing the full crew to get off the mooring ball once again, TJ and Aubrey got up to help out. The wind speed and direction looked good for a sail today. We were in no hurry and had time to get to Megan's Bay, so I laid out a plan to sail pretty much the whole way. We raised the mainsail while still on the mooring ball, which kept us head to wind very nicely. Trip manned the transmission, and we eased forward as Aubrey and TJ dropped the mooring lines. We set a course towards St. Thomas, which put us on a beam reach and unfurled the jib. I returned the throttles to neutral and trimmed the sails until we were making just over seven knots on the wind alone. And then the moment I had been waiting on this whole trip, I shut down the engines. There's just something magical about moving through the water powered only by the wind. It's a direct connection to all of sailing history and it's the way sailboats are meant to be sailed. Our first jibe put us on a heading between Thatch Key and Lavongo, sailing a broad reach and maintaining some pretty good speed. This ley line would take us north towards the British Virgin Islands border, where we would once again jibe onto a beam reach. This time we had the sails trimmed almost perfectly, and at one point achieved 8.6 knots with about 15 knots of wind which I thought was pretty good for a Lagoon 42. It felt so awesome to be under full sail. All of the issues we'd experienced during the trip thus far seemed to fade away like the rushing wake off of our sugar scoops. As the wind picked up and our speed increased, the volume of the wake song also increased, along with the smile on my face. We were making about the same time we would with the engines on, but the enjoyment was exponentially greater. We jibed again to turn just south of Hans Lalik Island. I was afraid that in the lee of the island we would lose some wind, but that really wasn't the case. At times we were between a broad reach and a run, but we were able to maintain good speed as we set up for our last jibe that would place us in the mouth of Megan's Bay where we could turn our engines on and motor the final one and a half nautical miles to our anchorage. After jibing one last time, we made our plan for getting the sails down. I powered on the port engine, and it started. Then I attempted to power on the starboard engine, but it would immediately turn back off. After several attempts, 
I had Tripp open the engine hatch and turn the battery coupling switch on, and the engine turned on and started. We furled in the jib on our approach, and then we turned head to wind to drop the main. Keeping our heading wasn't as difficult as it has been in the past, and the mainsail dropped well without too much extra effort. We shifted into forward, using our one-sided manual transmission technique, and headed towards our intended anchorage. We once again laid out our plan for anchoring, discussed our calculations, and how to quickly drop and then count to chain. I was hoping to find some shallow water so that the process would go more quickly as well. All of the boats anchoring in Megan's Bay were to the right side of the bay, so we decided to take the leftmost position. I eased up into about 25 feet of water and started dropping anchor. Trip had shifted us into reverse so I could back off as we let the chain out. When it came time to back down on the chain, our anchor immediately began dragging. Hoping that it would dig in at any moment, I continued to back down with no luck. Ultimately, we had to ease forward, raise anchor, and try again. I shifted over to our port side and eased into about 15 feet of water where we tried again. This time the anchor skipped a few times, but then it seemed to dig in well. I backed down to 2,000 RPM and we weren't budging. I felt much better about this spot for the night. Not long after we were set and had a little lunch, a pre-ski pulled in and anchored off of our starboard bow. After they were set, Brett asked if I was comfortable with the spacing, to which I replied, I am if you are. After settling in, TJ joined Aubrey, Cameron, and Bo to swim to the beach. Brett had already taken a lot of his crew in with the dinghy. Lindsay, Tripp, and I loaded into our dinghy to head to the beach and beach bar as well. The kids were at one table, and some of Brett's crew was at another. I pulled up a chair, and Lindsay and Tripp sat at the high-top rail overlooking the beach. I'd brought my own painkiller and Karen's Yeti mug, but joined in on a second round when Robert and Suzanne offered to buy. We also got a round of Miami Vices, much to Tripp's excitement. He had been going on and on, and most of us had never had one, so we gave it a shot. It wasn't that bad, and as Tripp promised, it got better and better as it mixed towards the end. Just before the little gift shop closed, I went in to check out the Christmas ornaments that Lindsay had told me about. Buying travel ornaments is a tradition that we started years ago as a family. We even have a dedicated tree now to our travels that reminds us every Christmas of our many adventures. I was able to find a decent hand-painted one that had sailboats and an anchorage, so I bought it and looked forward to hanging it on our tree. As we finished our drinks, our attention turned to a very visibly drunk couple on the beach attempting to gather their things and leave. Apparently the man stood up and tried to get his cooler together and then fell flat onto his face in the sand. Only Tripp saw this part of the adventure, but everyone else quickly started watching the entertainment. Before the guy walked off, he tossed a towel over his wife's face and began to stagger away. His gait was quite comical. Robert was genuinely concerned about the woman's welfare until he saw her moving and realized she was at least conscious. This scene continued to bring us laughter, as sad as it was, until we realized he was planning to drive. Ultimately, the lifeguards and other officials got involved and prevented him from doing so, which made us all feel better. It also made us thankful that we were headed back to boats. Just after returning to rendezvous, Brett called and said they were taking a group drone photo on their boat and invited us over. We quickly joined them and took several photos and videos before the sun dipped below the horizon. Our plan was to return to our boat, have our hamburger dinner, and return for another trivia night on a pre-ski. However, 
As Tripp was moving aft on the boat, he fell and went from the deck down the steps to the transom floor, quote, in about half a second. He later realized that it did hurt more than he thought, and they never made it back for trivia. We prepared our burgers, baked beans, and to the best of our ability, our fries for dinner. TJ had been wanting a burger, so he joined us as well. After dinner, we headed back over to a pre-ski where trivia was about to begin. We divided up teams and once again played Brett's version of DJ High Pocket Trivia. Tonight's game was super close with only four or five points separating the three teams going into the final bonus question. Katrina, Ginger, Bo, and I got out-strategized a little on our wager and wound up coming in second, but it was a good time. It was getting late, and we both had very early departures planned for the morning, so we said our goodnights and made our way back to rendezvous. Since Aubrey still had to pack, including her dive gear, she stayed on a pre-ski, and we just planned to see everyone at the airport tomorrow. Brett's route was going to take him about two and a half hours to the west end of St. Thomas, while we had about two hours in the opposite direction. Thanks for tuning into the show. Be sure to subscribe and have future episodes automatically docked into your favorite podcast player. Until then, anchors away. <laughs> <laughs>